What Remains of Edith Finch is a narrative video game that paints a striking portrait about the intimacy of death and loss and our relationship to tragedy that is passed through bloodlines. The story begins with Edith Finch returning to her family home off the coast of Washington, a familial residence that has housed generations of Finches, a giant monstrosity which looms over all, whose walls are all too familiar with the intimacy of death whose locked doors belong to family members now past, beg for someone to enter and explore. So many years ago she had fled this place in earnest, still riddled with questions concerning her family's past and tragic relationship to death that went unanswered. Seven years later, and the same questions still strike her emotional core, seeking understanding in regards to a generational curse that has been passed down her family tree. The Finches are a family that are all too familiar with tragedy. For several generations, each of their members has died under tragic circumstances, many during childhood. The intricacies of these stories had been hidden from Edith, but now as the lone surviving member of the Finch family, returning to her home's hallowed yet terrifying grounds, these stories are primed to reveal themselves, and it's in unlocking the rooms of her deceased family members that Edith gains access to their personal histories and by extension, her own, learning the events and circumstances that brought each of them to their untimely demises, and the player relives these events through narrative vignettes, an interactive anthology of stories that all share a tragic core. From playing as the shape-shifting monster that ate little Molly in her sleep, to playing as baby Gregory left unattended in his bathwater, whose dancing toys left him to drown. There's an air of horrific mysticism that permeates throughout all of the stories, one that was forever perpetuated by the matriarch of the Finch household, Great Grandma Edie, the protagonist Edith's namesake. These stories are fantastical, but they're also unbelievable. Edith regards them as such. In fact, her reaction to reading many of the so-called deadly truths revealed in these stories, both macabre and frightening, is one of almost calming serenity. Whether it's the story about a girl who was eaten by monsters, or a boy who swung himself so high he flew over the cliffs, or of a magician who vanished into thin air, as Edith explores the rooms of the house and is made privy to her ancestors' final moments of life, her reaction, in so many ways, can only be described as detached, as the revelations made in these stories are more weird than they are truly tragic to her. Edith isn't alone in this regard. In fact, it's in this very act that the severity of the Finch's detachment from the deaths of their own loved ones is fully revealed. Even as Edith learns the truth to her family's deaths, as she reads the letters of loved ones and as we experience their stories, she's removed from how truly horrific these deaths are due to the allure of myth-making that has become central to her conception of the family curse, with great-grandma Edie to blame for that. The personal tragedies that were so real in those present moments, of waves of inexplicable, unexplainable devastation, are instead turned into fables. Stories that blur the line between the fantastical, tragic elements of death, so painfully out of our own control as cursed individuals, and the lived reality of the Finches who in so many ways bear personal responsibility. 
In other words, for the Finches, the curse has become so ingrained in their lives and experiences that their reaction to the waves of death that pass over their family is one that lacks the central emotional component. It's treated as an expected occurrence. These people learn to make their peace with death very early on, to the point they almost welcome it, or unfazed by it. It's a natural part of life, after all, and the Finches have refused to let it get in the way of living, willingly partaking in stories that ultimately chase tragedy. And their stories have been passed down by Edie through the lens of this magical randomness, in an act that removes the reality of a truth that's just as horrific. The truth of children who died not due to mythical threats out of the Finch's control, but instead due to neglect. The truth of a daughter that was killed in a home invasion, or of children left unattended during their hours of need, or of a depressed son who was driven to suicide. The tragically explainable and unexplainable alike are grouped in as effects of the same generationally cursed cause, and in short order absolve the Finches from the true tragedy that looms over their lives. They're such shitty parents. And I think this is why the Finches live their lives so close to death, but never understanding their own impact. When death feels inescapable, hanging over your existence at all times, it begins to inform your decisions. Many of the Finches became detached from the reality of their immediate moment, and in doing so allowed themselves to play passengers to their tragic experiences. And in perpetuating the curse, injecting every moment of their lives with magical surrealism, approaching the cause-effect relationship of life and death as being purely up to chance, they were able to remove the personal responsibility from their own experiences believing so much in a curse that it eventually, inevitably, became real. So much of our existence is defined by circumstances that came before we were even born, of familial curses and blessings alike that work in shaping the relationship we have to our human experience. The stories passed down through generations may inspire us to reach greater heights than our ancestors, but they also have a tendency to remove the reality of the participants' true lived experiences, the ones that our stories are direct products of. Breaking a curse that has defined a generation is easier said than done, but the active attempt itself can reveal something powerful about our defining position as true architects over our own stories. We have more control than we think. During our strange brief lives of happiness and tragedy, and death and loss, the ephemeral qualities of the human experience are revealed, and it's through widened eyes of awestruck wonder that one can learn, if only for a moment, how to truly appreciate it. Mind Theater is a solo effort produced and written by me, Ayo Akingbare. For updates on the show, as well as my other content, follow Mind Theater Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you want to show monetary support, the Ko-fi link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.